First, a word from our sponsors. SpaceX CEO Elon Musk has long had big dreams about building a million-strong city on Mars by 2050. A Martian colony filled with citizens and businesses, where people can create everything from the first space pizza joint to the first iron factory in the cosmos. Mars City could one day lead to a new nation altogether. Getting there will be half the battle. And the SpaceX Starship rocket is central to the success of these plans. Still under construction, it's poised to one day ferry Earthlings to Mars. And with the Starship acing its latest test, future trips to Mars seem closer than ever. But revolutionizing space travel and building pizzerias on Mars all come secondary to the ultimate prize of expanding humankind's footprint in the solar system. And according to Elon Musk, Mars City could be the key to our species survival. Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. Our first story is about the Starship, the SpaceX launch vehicle pivotal to the company's future transportation plans to fly the ship to the moon, Mars, and beyond. After completing its first triple-engine test fire, the ship is ready to launch to new heights, bringing human beings closer than ever to the reality of commercial space travel. In our second story, SpaceX CEO Elon Musk outlines the crucial test that will determine whether his ultimate goal of settlement on Mars can be a success. While technology may soon enable humans to settle on the Red Planet, creating a Martian city that doesn't rely on Earth remains a challenge, and overcoming that challenge may ultimately save humanity. This is The Abstract, a look at the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now, the SpaceX Starship has aced a major test, a pivotal step for future SpaceX plans, and the future of life on Mars. I mean, any second now, I'm staring at that right-hand jet. Wow! There you have it, folks. That's what a static fire looks like. On October 19, 2020, the Starship SN8 completed its first multi-raptor static fire test. This specific test is one of the last typically done before a rocket flies, prompting many to say that this could be one of the last hurdles before the ship launches to the next level, to the kind of heights humanity has been clamoring for for quite some time. SpaceX CEO Elon Musk, speaking at a Starship event in September 2019, put it this way. We're faced with a choice. Which future do you want? Do you want the future where we become a space-faring civilization and are in many worlds and are out there among the stars or one where we are forever confined to Earth? And I say it is the first, and I hope you agree with me. Yeah. So how close are we to turning this space fantasy into reality? Here to help break it all down is Inverse's Mike Brown. Hey, Mike. Hey, how you doing? So SpaceX just fired these three Raptor engines on this prototype of the Starship. It's another big milestone, but it seems to have been an important feat that's really advancing SpaceX in terms of testing. Yeah, so the reason why this test is uh, so important is because Elon Musk has been uh, talking about this SN8 prototype, the one that fired. 
he's been saying that this rocket could fly to uh, 50,000 feet in the air. That's a much bigger improvement over previous versions. So far, the highest that uh, any prototype of this rocket has gone to is uh, 500 feet. You know, we're looking at a uh, 100-fold increase in altitude there. This prototype is expected to look a lot more like the final product. We're expected to uh, see things like a nose cone and flaps and that sort of thing. Some of these previous prototypes, people have compared it to a farm silo sort of flying up into the air. Like it's a very strange sort of uh, thing to witness. You see these YouTube videos of it flying. This one is likely to get a little bit closer to uh, the fabled orbital jump, which is when we actually see the rocket reaching orbit. So the rocket is one part of this two-part vehicle. We also have a uh, booster, the Super Heavy, that will help it lift off out of the atmosphere. And that's how it all kind of stacks together. So for those a bit unfamiliar, can you just explain a bit more about these engines and how they work? Yeah. So at the moment, when you hear about a SpaceX launch, it's probably going to be with a Falcon 9. That uses a Merlin engine, and that's powered by uh, rocket propellants. Not very uh, common chemicals, shall we say. The big thing about the Raptor engine is that it's powered by uh, liquid oxygen and methane. And what that means is the rocket can uh, fly to Mars, and the astronauts on board can harvest fuel from uh, Mars's resources, sort of set up a propellant plant that will um, extract the uh, liquid oxygen and methane that it needs to refill the engine. These are also uh, very powerful engines. Each Raptor uh, can reach a maximum, uh, the recent figures are about 225 tonnes of thrust. So it's a a very powerful engine and uh, its fuel means that we could return back home from Mars, which is a a very good feature. I mean, if you're sending people to Mars, that's uh, very desirable. Or uh, or you can go out even further. Musk has talked about a sort of series of uh, planet hopping stations as you go out further. So once fully operational, obviously the ultimate goal is space travel and beyond. Realistically, what could space travel look like with future starships? What's been hinted at, at the very least? The idea is that you could send around 100 people into space at a time. You would have two or three people maybe sort of sharing a cabin each. That is a dramatic improvement over uh, previous sort of rockets. When we talk about sending people to the uh, space station, it's in a small capsule with two or three people. When you create a vehicle like this that can send up such a large amount of people at a time to uh, such far off destinations, you're really changing maybe how people uh, think about space travel and how many people you can send up at a time. And one of the big things that has come out of this new space race, it's made space more accessible in a lot of ways. And I think we're really just sort of starting to scratch the surface of what that actually means. So in terms of SpaceX's overall progress. What do you think this latest milestone means for the company's success rate in terms of you know, meeting its goals. Yeah, I think where we go from here, the orbital test is really going to, if they can do that, reaching orbit, Musk has said before, is a very difficult thing. If the Starship can reach orbit, that's a very good sign for the project. The uh, the first sort of launch is that we're probably going to see things like satellite launches is what they've talked about before. So this isn't just going to be about sending people into space, but also satellites. From there, some of the most ambitious missions include sending uh, the dear moon 
mission, which will send six to eight artists around the moon on a tour. And the idea is that they'll uh, produce art pieces or music or anything to sort of show their sort of experiences. And then the Mars mission that could be slated for the most recent estimate is maybe about four years from now for the first cargo ships, which is a very, uh, a very short timeline. We'll see how that turns out. But yeah, I mean, the next decade for Starship is, is really uh, seems to be the central focus of a lot of SpaceX's plans. Right. For more on the Starship, head to Inverse.com, where Mike will be covering it all. Thanks, Mike. Cheers. Thanks. Now, a word from our sponsors. SpaceX CEO Elon Musk wants to build a city on Mars, but there's one crucial test that will determine whether his plan is a success. Up next, how self-sustainability on the Red Planet may be key to humanity's future. I mean, I think this, re- this really might come down to, you know, on the, the great filter front. Are, are we going to create a self-sustaining city on Mars before or after World War III? And I think the probability of it being created after World War III, hopefully, the, hopefully there's never a World War III, but of after is low. So we should try to create, let's make the city self-sustaining before any possible World War III. That was SpaceX CEO Elon Musk speaking at a live stream event for the Mars Society's annual conference in October 2020. Musk, of course, hopes to complete a settlement on Mars by 2050. As for the plan, the city will be fueled and populated using the Starship spaceship, currently under development. It's designed to transport humans to Mars and back. But at the conference, he cleared up his main motivations behind building the Mars city in the first place, to expand humankind's footprint beyond Earth. And before, it's too late. Could the window of opportunity close soon after it opens? Speaking at the South by Southwest conference in Austin, Texas in 2018, he said this much. We don't know, but there's likely to be another Dark Ages, which it seems, my guess is there probably will be at some point. I'm not predicting that we're about to enter Dark Ages, but that there's some probability that we will, particularly if there's a Third World War. Then we want to make sure that there's enough of of a seed of human civilization somewhere else to bring civilization back and perhaps uh, shorten the length of the Dark Ages. Reaching self-sustainability may ensure our species' survival should there be a cataclysmic event here on Earth, but it also could have a profound effect on the new city. Here to talk more about Musk's ultimate motivations and how it all gets a bit darker than you might have thought is Inverse's Mike Brown. Hey, Mike. Hey, how you doing? Good. So just to catch everyone up to speed, where are we in terms of Elon Musk's 2050 Mars settlement goal? So Elon has this uh, very grand plan to uh, build a uh, city on Mars by uh, 2050. The goal would be uh, to start sending cargo ships sometime this decade, and then we would send the first human ships. The earliest settlers would focus on um, setting up a refueling station, basically a system for uh, collecting resources from the planet and creating liquid oxygen and methane, which could be used to fuel the ship and uh, fly back home or even uh, go out further as uh, as he suggested before so you'd have like this sort of network of fueling stations around the solar system it's a it's a very grand plan it would sort of expand out from there really once you had the uh, 
fuel station. You could start looking at uh, maybe scientific projects. We see with the International Space Station, projects get sent up there and some private companies sending up uh, their projects like Nickelodeon, these sort of companies. The Mars City could uh, serve a similar purpose. And then Musk has talked about expanding out even further, everything from uh, pizzerias to, uh, to factories. Yeah, the plans are expansive. But most recently at the Mars Society's conference, Elon Musk said there's one crucial test that's going to determine if settlement can be a success, something he called the acid test. It gets into the idea that as it stands, we may not be in a secure place to create this self-sustaining city on Mars. Can you explain a little bit more about the thinking behind this? Yeah, so the test is, if the ships from Earth stop coming for any reason, does Mars die out? I mean, that, that seems like maybe at the surface, it seems like a slightly strange focus. But when you uh, hear about why Musk wants to build a city on Mars, it starts to make a bit more sense. So he's talked about, you know, we have this small opportunity as a species to maybe move out further into space move past the Earth, set up a permanent settlement somewhere else. If something ever happened to the Earth, there would still be the Mars city. You know, if we go out further, there would still be other cities out there. So the idea is that we'd be moving past what one theory refers to as uh, the Great Filter. So this is a response to the uh, paradox that if there's extraterrestrial life out there, uh, why haven't we detected it? So the idea would be to sort of move past what is potentially stopping uh, other species from advancing further, we uh, break away from uh, being confined to the earth, then we have a fighting chance of surviving if something happens and continuing to advance. Right. Like you said, it reveals more about intended goals here. It's not just about life on Mars. It's about Mars becoming this lifeboat for humanity. Um, getting a little dark, but yeah. <laughs> where does this thinking, where does it come from, this idea that humanity already hit a wall, so to speak? It's a conversation you're hearing more about lately. Yeah, so uh, this this is one of the explanations for the uh, Fermi paradox. This was uh, proposed by a uh, scientist in the 20th century. So the the question is, uh, why isn't there more alien life out there? If there if there is so much of it, why haven't we detected it? And the great filter theory is that uh, there's there's a wall that uh, civilizations hit at some point in their advancement. So either uh, we haven't reached that. Yeah, which is very bad, which means that we've still got that massive hurdle to come. Or we're rare in that, uh, you know, not many other species have advanced as far as us. Or we've, we've, already, uh, we've already moved past it. Everything's absolutely fine. But the, uh, the idea that this is still to come is uh, it maybe explains why Musk is so keen to uh, not to be too grand about it, to save humanity from annihilation. Well, when you look at it that way, you can understand the sense of hurry there. <laughs> Mike Brown covers all things SpaceX at Inverse.com. You can check in there for the latest. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks. Head to Inverse.com to read more about SpaceX's big plans for a Mars city. You can find the link in the show notes for all stories we talked about today. If you agree that science and facts matter more than ever, give us a rating and review on iTunes to help more people find The Abstract and other podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. Find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture, and entertainment at Inverse.com. 
Got something to say? Email us at theabstractatinverse.com with any questions, suggestions, story ideas, and anything else on your mind. Look for The Abstract Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening.